Well, Monday next week is the deadline for that long-awaited report from former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour on how best to address the military sexual misconduct crisis. It was delivered to the Minister of Defense late last week. It comes one year after the review formally began in the wake of reporting by Global News on allegations of sexual misconduct against senior military leaders. So what's stake this time around. This is not the first report. What's at stake and what are experts hoping and expecting to see on Monday? Joining me now is Megan McKenzie. She's the professor and the Simons Chair in International Law and Human Security at Simon Fraser University. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is a much anticipated report. I gather Monday is in fact the deadline, so we should be seeing it soon. Um, How much is at stake here for the Canadian forces and, and for the defense minister? I mean, there's just so much anticipation for this report. I think it's been over a year of, you know, scandal after scandal. I think the whole country is paying attention to this issue. Um, The Canadian Defence Forces have said that they really want to initiate cultural change and that um, they're going to follow the the recommendations. So it's it's highly anticipated. I think, I mean, I, I don't think that can be said enough. Other reports in the past have been ignored, or not ignored, but at least not fully implemented. I think that was made clear uh, in introducing this, or introducing the process for this report. Uh, Do you expect it to be different this time? Do you sense that there is a real commitment now to trying to make this one work, these recommendations work? I do think there's something different here. I think the mandate for um, Justice Arbor was slightly different in that it was really explicit that her recommendation should really focus on implementation of reforms. And so there was an acknowledgement, of course, when this review was made, and there were criticisms of having yet another review. We've had several reviews. Um, I do think that, you know, a series of recommendations that are going to sit on the shelf for a decade, are it's just not going to fly in this environment. What mandate was she, in, 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 in that sense, she was really asked to look for solutions, right? Not just to explain what the problem is. She was. She was really looking, um, she was really tasked with focus, focusing on implementation. And in particular, looking at how to implement a recommendation that was made um, in the 2015 report, which focused on sort of an independent reporting system. And so that was one of her main um, mandates was to see how could that be done? What are different options? Who could sort of oversee that? How would it actually be implemented? Is there a template in place elsewhere that that Canada could look to uh, when it comes to this independent reporting system? Well, you know, this is an issue that um, the U.S. military has has really struggled with as well, and they have worked very hard to initiate um, different kinds of independent reporting systems. I think there's no, unfortunately, there's no perfect case study. There's no perfect case country to sort of point to and say, you know, this this place is doing it perfectly, to be honest. But I do think that in the U.S., what we can look and learn from the U.S. is that they collect better data. They have quite a few um, options for service members. If they want to report, they can make a restricted report, which means they can come forward and get services and, and um, support after a sexual assault without making a formal complaint. Um, that's a restricted report. And, and then they can later decide if they want to make that unrestricted. So there are several different options that I think I'm sure Justice Arbor would have um, reviewed and considered what might work in the Canadian context. 
We've already seen at least some of the submissions that went to Justice Arbor. There's been some reporting late this week uh, in Post Media about it. Uh, one of the more scathing ones, of course, being this idea that the Canadian Forces has long treated sexual assault as a PR matter, not as a serious issue. How difficult reading do you think this is going to be for the Canadian military, given that there were recommendations made several times in the past on how to fix this? I mean, I think at this point, if the Canadian Defence Forces, if senior leaders don't accept that as a truth, I think they are just out of touch. I think they have to know that that's an accurate portrayal of the Canadian Defence Forces. We've had very little action on this for decades. Um, a, A clear kind of handling of this as a PR issue. You just have to look at the last 30 years and how often senior leaders have come out and said, we have zero tolerance for sexual misconduct. I mean, that is... It's just rhetoric. It doesn't mean anything. And to say it over and over, um, I think just helps illustrate how this has just been handled as sort of a crisis management rather than a systemic problem. You've spent a lot of time looking at other militaries around the world as well. How difficult is it, though, to implement a cultural change? I mean, clearly, we've seen that in the past, that recommendations are recommendations. They're acknowledged, but the culture doesn't change. Yeah, I think there are two different things. I think that um, holding perpetrators accountable can happen as culture change is also happening. They're not the same thing. You don't actually have to have a whole scale cultural change before you can hold perpetrators accountable. And I think we saw this with you know, the the perhaps the most high profile case in the last year, um, former chief of the defense staff, Jonathan Vance, who admitted guilt in obstruction of justice and then was given a conditional discharge. We have the most senior leader, former leader of the Canadian Defense Forces, effectively not being held accountable. So for me, I think um, culture change can't be sort of enmeshed with accountability. I think they are two different things. And of course, culture change can take decades. Um, It's a very slow process, but accountability doesn't actually have to be that slow. I expect that this is also very important for the military in the sense that recruitment has been very difficult these days and that a lot of people who may be thinking of a career in the military may be watching to see uh, both the report and the reaction to it. I think that's true. And I think it's not just the report and the reaction. I think They're looking to see how are senior leaders going to be held accountable? What are some of the recommendations? What's the implementation plan going to be? So if if the Canadian Defence Forces, if the minister comes out and says, look, we have a a five-year horizon on on the implementation plan, I think that's just not going to work for currently serving members or for potential new recruits. Megan McKenzie, thank you so much for your time. We'll look forward thank to you see, very much uh, for speaking me. to you again next week. Thanks. Great. Thanks. And tune in on Monday for a little more conversation. We'll, of course, have a lot of reaction to the report. If indeed it is released when it's supposed to be released, we are expecting it. The deadline is indeed, according to the uh, to the Arbor, the mandate that Louise Arbor was given, this is meant to be out on Monday. So we'll have lots of reaction to that then. Uh, our question for you tonight, the best blockbuster of the 80s. Let me know, 877-399-9898, 399-9898. Of course, we are going to talk Top Gun Maverick coming up in about an hour and a bit. Uh, but after this, a red-hot rental market in Toronto and Vancouver is causing things to look a whole lot like it used to for house sales or still does. We're going to find out more about that right after this.